we'll do something a little off the wall real fast before we uh, get into the, the message this morning. If you will, stand with me. Um, we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance since this is Independence Day, and I think that would be very suiting. Right, right there's a flag. You going to do it? You're just going to stand here and look pretty. Or do both. You can do both. How's that? All right. Ready? Attention. Salute. Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right, we've got some housekeeping to do real quick. Uh, Bible school meeting right after the church service, so anybody that can stay and, and kind of get a, an assignment for things that we need help with and things that you want to help with, uh, we'll do that immediately following the, the church service today. And then this Wednesday night will be Taco Wednesday. There's no such thing, but we'll make it Taco Wednesday. So we'll be eating Wednesday night after Bible study, and there'll be a sign-up list on the church Facebook page. So if there's anything that you can help with, even if you're not going to be here, if you can send some stuff, that would be great. But we'll be doing that Wednesday night after Bible study and preparing for uh, Bible school. Bible school will start July 19th. We'll run it that week, starting that Monday night. It'll be Christmas in July. Uh, youth is getting a lot of stuff together and ready to put on the fence, and I guess I need to bring the Christmas tree up here pretty soon. Yes, the, uh, on your if you will remember this, put this on your calendar. So Sunday the 18th, after church service, um, we're going to decorate. So if y'all can hang out, whoever can, bring your change of clothes. Might see if James fire up the grill and make a hamburger too, and um, we'll... We're going to decorate the church and get everything ready for uh, Bible school on the 19th. So on the 18th, if you can plan on staying, that would be wonderful. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. It is Independence Day, and we're going to we're going to look at some pretty interesting stuff. I was telling Maria last night I was studying, and one of the many times I got interrupted yesterday. That I, I love the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, and I, I, lo I love to hear Barney do the preamble of the Declaration. <laughs> if y'all ever watched Andy Griffith's show, and whenever he says that he can, Barney says he can remember everything. He could remember uh, things that he had learned in history back whenever he was in school, and and then he tries to do the preamble, and of course Andy has to lead him through it. But uh, I was I was reading that, and I'm gonna get into the preamble here in just a second. But we live. We live in a nation, and I think you can all back me on this, and we live in a nation that was founded on faith. I mean, that's, that's why we're celebrating today. Uh, we are independent, and we came to this great nation uh, so that we could have that religious freedom that we have, and we still have. I mean, we're over 240 years into it, and we still have something that so many nations in this country or in this world don't have, and that's religious freedom. You go into places like communist China, and you go into uh, North Korea, and, and some of these other, and there's a lot of, of countries over in Africa that are like this, uh, that you cannot celebrate, you cannot have this religious freedom, you cannot uh, talk about Jesus, you cannot even own a Bible, and uh, even Cuba, I mean, we think you want to get really close to home, even Cuba doesn't allow this to go on. So we live in a country 
that was based on, founded on faith. And after a lot of research on the founding documents uh, of the U.S. That, that were written, that our forefathers written, there was a conclusion made by a lot of historians. And this is just recently. The historians have come to the conclusion that we have one founding document. And do you know what one founding document is for the U.S.? You're holding it. This is the founding document. You might think, oh, Lord, he was going to talk about the, the Constitution or something like that. But this is actually the founding document of the United States of America. Our forefathers were religious men. They believed in Jesus. And so as they wrote the Declaration of Independence, as they, they wrote so many of our documents, founding documents, they used the Word of God to base everything on so that we could live the life that we live right now and we could live a life free of, of tyranny and a, a life uh, free of persecution from religion, but live a life of freedom through the book of God. And, and I, I can't imagine a country being founded the way that it was founded, but it was founded this way, and I, I, I love that. And these atheists around here, they're going to they're gonna lie, and they're going to try to cover up the fact that our our country was founded on religion and on the Bible, but you know what? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. And I'm pretty sure that I, from the study I've done, uh, I know where our our uh, forefathers stood, and I'm very, very proud to be called an American. Now, I'm going to look at the preamble of the U.S. Constitution real quick. I'm not going to be preaching on politics or nothing like that, but some of y'all probably don't realize this. This took a lot of work to, to dig all this out. But the preamble of the U.S. Constitution, there's parallels between that preamble and the Bible. And I'm going to point out some of it real quick before we get into it. So it starts off, we the people. We the people. And again, every, I told Marie last night, every time I was reading through this, I just get to hear Barney trying to say this. I'll put it on Facebook later so y'all can all figure out what I'm talking about if you ain't ever watched it. He says, we the people. So we the people comes out of Exodus 24, Deuteronomy 31, and 1 Samuel chapter 8. So right off the bat, right straight out of the gate, when, he said, when they say, we the people, it come out of the Bible. It says, in order to form a more perfect union. That come out of Genesis 2, Psalms 133, and Matthew 19. Establish justice come out of Psalms 82, Proverbs 1, Proverbs 21, Ezekiel 45, and Acts 10. It goes on to say, ensure domestic tranquility. That's out of Leviticus 26.6. It says to promote the general welfare. welfare. That's out of 1 Chronicles 22, Joshua 1, and Proverbs 31. Provide for the common defense. Hebrews 11 and Luke 14. And then secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. As Genesis 45, Daniel 2, and Galatians 5. We don't, I don't think, and I know for a fact that this is not taught in, in history, this is not something that is taught in our school system. But if you are to take our Constitution, if you are to take the, the Declaration of Independence, if you take any of our, our founding documents that were written by our forefathers, you're going to find parallel between the Bible and those documents. And it is because our forefathers truly believed that there is a God. They truly believed that, that this God was going to save this nation. They knew that if they put everything they had into these documents and based it on the Bible, then we would survive. 
that we could become a generation after a generation of of uh, faithful servants, hopefully to God. Now I know we're we're falling away right now. That's that's pretty obvious. But they knew that if they founded this country on biblical principles, that it would stand and it would survive. The U.S. was prayed over, folks. This this country, whenever they were writing. Uh, up, drawing up these documents, it was prayed over. They didn't just run into an old schoolhouse or, or to a courthouse or to a church and just start pinning stuff down. This was done over a lot of prayer. They were seeking God's face as they did this. It was prayed over and it was founded on the Word of God. But, there, but we have never had to go through as tough a time as the, the nation of Israel had, had and has. It ain't over with yet for them. We've seen some suffering as a country, but nothing like the nation of Israel has had to go to, through. No other nation on the face of the earth has been through what Israel has been through. I mean, we'll look at it right now. Lord, I thought my mother-in-law was going to wring my neck. What day was she at the house? I don't remember. Thursday, I think. She's over at the house. and It's just me and her. I was hanging deer heads, and she was telling me what to do. That's what mother-in-laws do, ain't it? Well, she's sitting there on the couch telling me what to do, and we were talking about Israel, and and I told her that I'd be going this month. Of course, she didn't like it. I think that was the first she's heard about that, me leaving, and she don't like it at all, does she, Paisley? She don't like it at all. That I'm going, in. And I told her, I said, you know, well, everything that you've been reading about the war and everything going on over there, it's been going on for a lot longer. It's just they needed to cover up while some things were going on here in the U.S., so they just they talked about it a lot more than they should have. Things happen to the nation of Israel that we can't comprehend. We can't imagine as a nation, as a country right now, the things that they have gone through and that they have suffered through. They have a dramatic past, but they have a miraculous past. They have a past that if you can't see God working in their past, then you need to either open your eyes and get saved because... God worked in that nation. God done a great and mighty thing for those people. Now, looking at Israel this morning, and we're going to look at their past, we'll see what we can learn from their faith as a nation. And I hope that as the church that we are, I'm talking about his church, we could take a lot of note. If all the churches would get together, become the church that we're supposed to be, and learn from the nation of Israel about what faith is and how to be a faithful people. So when I say a faithful people, I'm talking about a faithful group of Christians. Then we could do some, some great things in this world. I'm not even going to say country. I'm going to say world. If we would get together and have the kind of faith that the nation of Israel had. And we're going to read about it. If you got your Bibles open to Hebrews 11, stand with me just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. And then we're going to be over in Exodus a little bit later. Hebrews 11, verse 29 says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. I like that. Both of them starts out by faith. Keith, will you open us up, please? Yes, sir. 
Amen. By faith. I, I love, whenever I get over here in Hebrews chapter 11, this has nothing to do with the message, but every time I get over in Hebrews chapter 11, I've got some words written up here at the top that says, heaven is worth it all. Heaven is worth it all, and that has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach on, but Carl Wilson, you remember preacher Carl Wilson? You remember? Last time I ever heard the man preach, that was what he preached on. Heaven is worth it all. And I just, I love to read, I love to be over in Hebrews 11, read Hebrews 11, but to just glance up at the top of it and see that, some of the last words from preacher Carl Wilson, heaven is worth it all. So a couple of things we're going to look at this morning. First thing we're going to look at is Israel's faith was a faith that obeyed God against overwhelming forces. Now you look at the, the Egyptian army, they were a pretty tough army. They were, they were pretty mean, they were aggressive, and I always think about Blackbeard. You guys ever heard a story about Blackbeard, and he wore his boots on the wrong feet? You ever heard that? Do they teach that in school still? What? Oh, you're from Tennessee. You don't even know what Blackbeard is. <laughs> you probably have a salt life sticker on your car, don't you? <laughs> Blackbeard, he was a pirate that was over off the coast of North Carolina. Uh, it was a, he, was, he was real. But he was a real, he's a mean person, a real mean person. But they say, the history says, that he wore his boots on the wrong feet. That way he stayed mad all the time. That made him angry. Well, that's, that's what to say. I'll try it next time. I'm going to wear my shoes on the wrong feet this week, Abby, and see what happens. But they stay, stayed angry. Well, you got these, these uh, the Egyptian army. They, they were mad. They were extremely angry. Think about what they had gone through. Think about the plagues that they had gone through. Think about the last plague that they had to go through. What was that last plague? They lost their sons, their firstborns. So they were, it was like they had their shoes on the wrong feet. They were extremely mad. They were irritated, and they were an aggressive bunch of people. So as they were chasing after the nation of Israel, the Israelites, they were mad, so they went, with, went at them with a lot of fury. They went at them with a lot of hatred, not just towards the nation of Israel, but they were going at them with hatred towards God, too. So that was fueling the flame with them. The forces confronting the nation of Israel were actually threefold. Now, I want you to listen to these three things. There was this mighty army that had the Egyptians following them, so this mighty army of Egyptians coming after them. Number two was, I'll say Mother Nature, but it wasn't really Mother Nature, just nature in general. So they had the Red Sea before them, and then they had mountains on both sides of them. So that, that was another, another force that was against them. They were kind of, they were, they were hemmed up. They was in a pickle there. And then the third thing was themselves. That was their complaining, their murmuring. It, it was themselves had actually brought themselves down, that unbelief that they had. Now I'm going to be over in Exodus pretty much the rest of the, the morning. Exodus 14, y'all can follow along if you want to. But Exodus 14, 11 tells us, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dwelt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? It's easy for us now to see God's hand since we have the whole story. We, we can see this. We read this. Even as children, we read about them crossing the Red Sea. So, have an idea of why they did it 
It was God providing. It was God evacuating them. It was God saving this great nation. But as a nation, back then when all this took place, they didn't have the Bible to go by like we do today. They didn't have anything to read before and after to see what was going to take place and the, the outcome like we get to see today. So they didn't have that kind of encouragement that we do today. To me, when you read about the children of Israel, when you read about this nation crossing the Red Sea, it's encouraging to me because what you see on the other side of the Red Sea is salvation. We can see that now. They couldn't see that then. So we got one up on them. I see the Red Sea. I see the great wall of water on the left and on the right. I can see that dry land. I can see that salvation on the other side. We can see that as a church. They couldn't. They were running for their lives. And then they come against themselves, they come against the army, and they come against nature all at one time. So they were devastated. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. They didn't have that benefit that, that we do right now to be able to read it. So they were scared. They didn't know what to ha was getting ready to happen. They'd been slaves for all these years, and now they're following Moses to a, river, or to a, a sea, and they don't know what to do. So they're terrified. They were hemmed up with no way to escape, and this fierce king and his fierce army was on their tail. They didn't know what to do. They were, they were terrified. There was no chance the Egyptians would have, have taken any live prisoners. I want you to remember this. The la like I said a while ago, the last plague that hit was the loss of the firstborns. So they were not going to take prisoners because they said that the Israelites, God, is the one that took it. And so... They were mad at them. They were extremely mad at them. And so they were out for blood. They were ready to kill. They were going to that eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. They were getting ready to whoop some tail. They was going to take some names and ask questions later. And I think the Israelites knew that. If we don't get across this sea, we're dead. And then what do you think as they were going across that on that dry land? They're probably thinking, we're still dead. We're still going to die. Israel was doomed, and the people knew it. And the odds were overwhelming unless God delivered them. So if you, this is my opinion, if you see ten plagues, if you see God sending down these plagues after plagues after plagues, and then you finally get released out of slavery, why would you not have faith in God? If you've seen God provide a way out for you so many different times, why would you start doubting? Why would you keep doubting? I, to me, one time would be enough, but they, had, they got to witness ten plagues. Ten things come from God, but they still had that doubt. The odds, again, they were overwhelming for them unless God delivered them. And what did he do? God delivered them. Moses stepped forward, and he took a faithful stand for God. And then listen to what he did over in verse 13 and 14. It says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. The Lord shall fight for you. That ain't never changed, folks, and it never will. 
It wasn't just the Red Sea. It wasn't just the Jordan River. It is today in 2021. What Moses said then stands today. He will fight for you. He's going to fight for me. He's going to fight for every one of us. Tooth and nail. We've read Revelation. We've read Daniel. We know who read, who's going to uh, win that war, who's done won that war, that battle. We know it. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, we know it. God will fight for you. I love that verse. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. He provided. He saved him. The salvation of the Lord was being proclaimed right there by Moses, and that message stirred the hearts of the people. That's what happens when there's good preaching, when there's good revival, when, there's, when the Holy Spirit is working in the church. Amen. You get a peace. You get a movement from the people. You get encouragement by God. It stirred their hearts in obedience to God's command. Moses, what did he do? He lifted up that rod. He took that stick, and he held it up, and he moved it across the face of the water. Verse 21 and 22 says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry, dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were all were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. I love how great things come from the east. You ever read that in the Bible? All the good stuff comes from the east. I, I was reading something the other day about uh, a man that had died years ago. And when they buried him, they actually had flipped him around by accident. So, you know, in cemeteries, everybody's facing the east so that when, whenever Jesus comes, he's going to come from the east so we can rise to face him. And this man wasn't buried to the east, and the family said that he was a, a very religious man. And that, that was what he, that's what he would have wanted was to be buried facing the east. So they exhumed the, the coffin and actually just flipped it around and put it right back in the grave just so he would be facing the east. Great things come from the east. Great things come from the east. So, did, so this wind came from the east and dried out the water or the mud, I guess. Moses lifted up that rod and that eastern wind began to blow over the face of the waters. It split the waters. It dried the land. That's God. Moses didn't do that. Moses was an, a, an instrument. He was a tool to be used uh, for God. But God did that. God commanded Moses done exactly what he said, and the children of Israel were able to start to flee to escape. Now imagine two big old walls of water and a stretch of a dry land running between them. Imagine the fear. Now, y'all know I don't like water. Y'all, I can't stand water. It terrifies me. I would have probably been the last person in that little wagon train of people going across the, the Red Sea. I would have made sure everybody got back or got through first before I went through because I wouldn't want to get halfway through and then, you know, the walls come down on top of me because I can't swim and I would just die. So I can't imagine these big old columns, big old walls of water in this dry land. But they had faith. They had faith in God. They knew their salvation was on the other side. If they could just reach that, reach that point, they would be safe. If I can just get to the other side, I'll be safe. If I can just get across this dry land, if I can just get by these walls of water, salvation is on the other side. 
They'd been complaining, but the message of God's servant Moses had stirred their hearts to believe in God. We murmur, we complain, we gripe, we grumble. But every now and then when you leave church service, or every now and then after you read some good scripture in the Bible, God stirs your heart. And you get more faith in God and it encourages you. Just like it did these, these the, the nation of Israel here. They heard Moses and it stirred their heart and they had faith. Now they're witnessing the, the powerful, mighty hand of God as he was removing these overwhelming odds. They got to witness it again in their favor. Those plagues might not sound like it, but they were in their, fa- their favor, trying to get Pharaoh to, t- to release them. He rolled back to sea. No matter the odds, God will overcome. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. He can save us if we believe. If we just believe. And then once we believe in him, then we need to march forward just like Moses did. Don't worry about what's behind you. Don't worry about the things that are following you in the back. Move forward. March forward like Moses and let God lead the way. Now secondly, Israel's faith was a faith that delivered and and brought protection. The nation of Israel believed God so they were delivered despite the overwhelming odds that were against them. I want you to think about the the Israelites, I want you to think about the children of Israel real fast. They wasn't an army. They wasn't an army. These were just common everyday people. These were just your, your farmers. These, they were slaves. So you had farmers and you had shepherds and you had housewives and you had kids. You had common everyday folk with no military training whatsoever. This was not an army. So the odds were stacked against them from the get-go. Because the Egyptian army, after them, they were pretty, pretty well-known, pretty, pretty tough bunch. And to top it off, they was protected through the whole experience, through the whole thing. Even though they had no background in military training, they were protected. They didn't have shields. They didn't have swords. They didn't have knives. They didn't have any of that stuff. But they still had protection. That just, ain't that God? We don't have what we think we need to fight these battles but God still provides that protection he still provides to that 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 hedge around us that hand over us so that we can go forth move forward like that and their enemies here they pursued them it was not when Israel crossed the, the Red Sea took them over by night and when the Egypt, Egyptian army reached them reached the shore they looked at it and they thought well you know what they're not going to fight they're not going to come at us. Let's just give it a little time. They didn't. They wasn't too gung ho there. They they were just going to sit back and wait. They were the Egyptians were spiritually blind to God's work, and it it, it hardened their hearts, and so they were lax about the things that they did. They these Israelites they were defenseless. They knew this. the The Egyptians knew they were defenseless. They have nothing. So let's just let's just wait a while. Let's not get in a rush. They went right after the Israelites, or they they went right in after the Israelites, but God protected those who believed and trusted in him. And that east wind died down. That's what I was wanting to get at. That east wind died down. And what happened? Everything started closing in. Verse 23 says, Then the Egyptians 
pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariot wheels, and they drave them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon the chariot, their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Uh, verse 27 says, And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. God protected them. And just a little nerdy history for you right now. At the Red Sea, there is a place at the Red Sea where it's, it's about the same depth everywhere except for a certain point, and it comes up and it kind of plateaus out. And archaeologists have been digging and playing around in that for a few years now, and guess what they're finding? Take a wild guess. They're finding things like chariot wheels. They're finding things like swords and armor. They're, they're finding that stuff. I love how scientists try to debunk our faith. And then the more they dig, the stronger our faith gets. And the more stuff they find to prove what's been written actually happened. So they, they're finding that stuff. God's people were completely protected by the hand of God. By faith, by faith, they went on. God performed a miracle for them and saved them, delivered his people by faith. God always provides a way for those who believe in him. Number three, Israel's faith was a faith that believed the unusual. Look at, go back over to Hebrews real quick, verse 30. 1130 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, and after they were uh, compassed about seven days. This verse moves on after about 40 years wandering in the wilderness. So we see them cross over the Red Sea, and now we're going to jump forward to 40 years later. Moses had died. Now, now Joshua, of course, was the leader of, of the group here. They crossed over the Jordan River to finally take possession of the Promised Land. Jericho is the very first battle that they were going to have to, to go through. Now, I said battle. What did I tell you a while ago about the children of Israel? That ain't no army. They ain't, they ain't military trained. They don't have that background. They, they don't, they're not trained up in warfare. Again, they're shepherds. They're laborers. And now they've been wandering around. They've got a whole new generation coming up. And if their new generation coming up is anything like our generation coming up, it's a lazy bunch. So they wasn't ready to, to fight. But they were getting ready to go to battle. The very first one, Jericho. How, would, how, could, how could the Israelites win over this city? How could they take this city? How could they win this battle? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. Spiritually speaking, it is very possible. For them, their only hope was God, and He was willing to give them victory over their enemies. 
because it was only by God. It was just a matter of whether or not they would put their trust in God to get them through this battle for this victory. God's plan was brilliant, though. So I'm going to go through this. I'm not going to read it all over Joshua. God's plan was perfect. He said, for six days, I want you to, to take the, the priest, I want seven priests, to go with the Ark of the Covenant and march around quietly around the city of Jericho. March around those walls quietly. Seven priests, Ark of the Covenant, and then the Israelites. And we're going to march for six days. Don't say a word. I don't want you to sneeze. I don't want you to cough. I don't want you to whisper. I don't want you to do anything. Now, I have got to experience these two ankle biters here as babies. And I've seen a lot of other babies. You know God had to be involved in this to keep the mouths shut of the youngins. They couldn't white, cry. They couldn't whimper. They couldn't do anything. He said, you got to go around quiet. So you know God was involved in it because he kept their mouths shut. At least the babies anyway. And then he said, on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And after that seventh time, he says, I want the, the priest, I want, I want them to blow on their horn. I want them to toot that trumpet loud. And then I want you to shout. I want you to yell. All that you've got bottled up in you from six days of not saying a word while you march, I want you just to let it out. Just give it a good old cry, just a good old yell, and watch what happens. So the city of Jericho, they'd seen what's going on, so for six days, they're watching these, this group just march around quietly. On the seventh day, they're all up on top of, the, on top of the walls of the city of Jericho. Everybody's up there watching, trying to figure out what's getting ready to happen, what's going to take place. What can these people do? They're quiet. They're, they're being led by a bunch of priests, and they got the Ark of the Covenant. What can they do to us? They can't hurt us. So everybody's up there. It's a big deal. It's a big show. They're on top of this building, and then God shows up. I think we all know the rest of the story of that one. They shouted, and what happened? The wall fell down. They took over. They won that battle. They were expecting, uh, the, the, the people in Jericho were expecting uh, the Israelites would attack, but not like this. Not by just shouting. The way I look at it is they wasn't expecting God to show up. That's what the, the, the folks here in Jericho, they wasn't expecting God to show up. They were just expecting the priests and the Israelites to show up. God conquered the enemy. God will conquer your enemy. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go to your enemy's house and start marching around their house being real quiet. That might freak them out. Actually, that might get you put in jail. Wouldn't it, Jerry? <laughs> Not a peaceful protest. That's just being weird. <laughs> it's just marching around somebody's house quietly. God will conquer your enemy. Your enemy is Satan. And the Bible says he's already conquered him. He's already won it. So these little things that you're going through in life right now, these little where the these demons and where the devil's going in and throwing a wrench in your life right now, God can conquer that. 
give him a shout. When it, whenever you get down, whenever you feel like the devil, the demons, whatever, has, has absolutely got you down and out and you just can't function anymore in your life, won't you shout? Won't you toot your horn and shout and call on God? Because he will provide, he will guard you, he will keep you, he's going to protect you. The Bible tells us he's going to keep us and protect us. He will do just that, but we need to call on him. And when those walls fail, those folks in Jericho are no longer laughing. When those walls fall around your enemy, they won't be laughing at you no more. They won't be laughing at your God. They won't be laughing at your faith no more. They're going to see just how real your God is. Those folks in Jericho, they got to see just how real God was. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Some folks are going to laugh at God. Some of them are laughing at him right now. They're laughing at Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They don't know what they're getting into. And it's not a good thing. There's foolish people out there. But one day they won't be laughing no more. They won't be mocking no more. One day they're going to face God just like us. But unfortunately they're going to hear depart from me. For I know you not. And all those times that they got to hear the gospel. All those times that they went to church growing up. All those times that that... that man or that woman that they worked with met him at the coffee pot or at the, the water tank and they're sitting there talking about Jesus all those times that they heard about the gospel and they rejected it it's going to be brought up and then when they get to hell for eternity all those times are going to be flashing back in their mind that's that torment that memory they're going to be rem- remembering all those times that they had an opportunity to accept Jesus. And then they have that faith, just like the children of Israel, just like us. We'd have that faith in God to get them through all the trials and temptations that they went through in that life that they tried to deal with on their own, that it didn't work. They're going to remember that. They're going to think, man, if I'd have just had God, if I'd just had faith, if I'd just put my faith in Jesus Christ, I could have got through it. But they didn't. This morning, I'm going to close with this. Are you trusting and following God's instructions for your life? Or are you trying to make it on your own? Are you putting your faith and trust in Him to get you through the Red Sea of your life right now? Are you trying to make it on your own? You trying to find a shallow spot in the Red Sea to cross? Are you waiting on God to provide a way for you over it? Because if He can split the Red Sea, if he can split the Jordan River, if he can divide them in two and give them dry ground to walk on, he can make a way for you. That's what he is. He's a way maker. So he made a way for them to get to a safe place. and He can make a way for you to get to a safe place. But are you willing to let him make a way for you? I love that song. He's a chain breaker. A way maker. That's what he is. Trust in him. Put your trust in him. 
to make a, a dry spot for you to cross over. Put your trust in him. I got some cart. I can't remember who draws these cartoons. But it's a picture of Moses fishing. He's got a fishing buddy. Y'all may have seen it. They're sitting on the bank of a river. And Moses is over here fishing in one spot. And every time the guy that's fishing with him tries to catch something, Moses makes the water split. It's a joke. And he says, Moses, stop it. <laughs> if God can use somebody like Moses with all his issues in the past to lead in God and, be a, and to preach and to be an inspiration for these people, he can use us as well. I promise you, he'll use you. Let God use you to make a way for someone else. Let God use you to be an inspiration to someone else. Let God use you with all your, all your faults and downfalls and everything that's wrong with us. Let God use you to be a help to someone else. Moses was a help to a lot of people, a whole bunch of people. They listened to him. They got to see his faith in God, and it strengthened their faith. So we need to be that kind of person. We need to be that, that Moses for those folks that are around us so that they can see our faith in God and strengthen their faith in God. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Well, y'all, I tell you what, just stay seated because y'all are going to have a little meeting here in just a second. Uh, we're not staying. We've got, we've got some places we've got to be. Marie's got to get to work, and Abby's got somewhere we've got to be here pretty soon. So I think James and Ariel are Ariel only. I don't know. Tag team it. But we're going to close out, and then y'all can discuss Bible school. I already know what I'm doing. I don't need to be here. I'm teaching. And then uh, y'all can dismiss after that if you want to. Let's pray. Father, let's, we just want to thank you this morning. God, thank you for being who you are. God, we thank you for what you did there at the Red Sea, what you did there at Jordan. But God, we want to thank you for what you did there at Calvary too. Father, where you made a way. You split the Red Sea, you split the Jordan River, and you made a way for those folks to see salvation. But Lord, at the cross, you made a way as well. At the cross, you made a way by the sacrificial blood of your son, Jesus Christ. At the cross, you made a way for us. Lord, by allowing your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, you made a way. And instead of splitting another body of water, the Bible says that, that that curtain was rent twain right down the middle. And now we got access directly to you, Father. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for making a way for us to come to you, to pray, to bring our petitions, to bring our hurts, our pains, our sorrows. We have a way now to come directly to the throne of Christ, to your throne, to ask for help to ask for forgiveness, to ask for peace, to ask for blessings. We have a way now, and we thank you for that. Thank you for making a way when we didn't think there was one. And Father, today as we do celebrate Independence Day here in the U.S., we want to thank you for this independence that we have. Lord, just thank you for the religious freedoms that we have. We thank you for allowing us not to be a persecuted country for what we believe in. But we also want to thank you for our forefathers that built this country, this nation, 
on the Word of God. And I pray today we not forget that. It's not something that's taught or mentioned much anymore. But I pray, Lord, that we come back around, that we would be reminded of what we was founded on and who our cornerstone really is. Today, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, bless this great nation that we live in. And may we turn back to you and ask for guidance and help from you because we can't do it on our own. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. I'll listen to your son's name, we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a good day. And anybody that can help with...